Oh, I just want to encourage you that are joining us online. Some of you right now, hundreds join us live streaming. I'm so glad that you're with us. And some of you watch it a little bit later on during the week. Thousands will do that throughout the week. But oh, I'd love for you, if you can, to come and join us actually here in person. The reason I say that, there's just something special that happens when you're together, actually together in the sanctuary. So if you're part of this family, team, and army, I know there are those who are watching out of state, and that's great. You can't join us, but not that it's great that you can't join us, but we understand why you can't join us. But if you can, and there's not some extenuating circumstances or a heart or health condition uh, that you would, you, you would join us. But again, I know there's different leaders in our body that you have, they have to remain at home and, and watch, and I understand that all compassion. I'm, I'm just glad that we're able to connect, if not here in person, at least online. But if you can get here, do that. Now, I'm going to share with you a message that I believe God wants me to communicate with my whole heart to you. I'm passionate about this. I know the tremendous importance of this, especially in this day and in this hour with this generation. So I'm going to ask you to listen with your whole heart, not to a sermon, but a message from God's heart, through my heart, to your heart. Now, the title of it is unique. I don't think I've ever given it uh, this title. I've been uh, here at the church pastoring for 32 years, and the last 22 as the senior pastor. And I don't think I've ever titled a message, Walking Alone at Night. But that's the title, Walking Alone at Night. Now, it's not good to be alone. It's even worse to do it when you're enveloped with darkness at night, when you're vulnerable. So naturally, just that those uh, few words would precipitate some level of concern or anxiety. Boy, I never want to walk alone, especially when night is descending. I think you'd concur and agree with me that in our culture, in our nation, and the nations on this planet, Darkness is descending with greater intensity and density. The scripture says in Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 2, Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. That's a very tangible, concrete reality. Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you. And his glory, that's the brilliance and the radiance of his light, will be seen upon you. It's so important that we have the light of God. But when we gather together, join together, the illumination intensifies exponentially as we do that. We don't want to be found in this day and hour walking alone. Do you know in the Greek New Testament, the word saint never, ever occurs in the singular. It's always in the plural. Saints. Take note of the emphasis then. What the New Testament is communicating to us of the tremendous importance of being together and not alone. Because when you're alone, you are vulnerable. And the enemy can attack you and assault you. Circumstances can, can strangle you. Your faith needs to be coupled with others. We need that mutual encouragement and affirmation, tactile communication, touch, verbally, spiritually, in prayer. We need that 
desperately. And we ought never to be walking alone at night in a dark hour and a dark time. I remember at 10 years old, I was staying at my buddy's house, David Dunn. I was staying beyond the curfew that my mom and dad had given. Of course, they couldn't get in touch with me. There was no cell phone. I knew I'd get in trouble when I got home. But nevertheless, I still had a rebellious heart, and I decided to uh, stay out later than I was allowed to. And so I did. And then finally, I said, oh, my goodness, look at the time. I got to go, Dave. I'm going to get in big trouble already just getting into the house. They probably locked the doors, and my mom and dad, they're going to wait for me to be banging on the door. They'll wait for a little bit. I'll feel uncomfortable, and then finally they'll open the door. Well, I left, and I mean it was the dead of night. There was cloud cover, so there was no reflection of the moon. I could barely see the steps in front of me, and I had a journey of maybe a couple miles that I had to walk to get home. I knew there were certain gangs in the area, and I had to be careful. I was reared in Chicago, and so I was heading home. And I knew if I could cut through this one field, and it was not a field that was high, it was low. It was like a a football-type field area at uh, Bloom High School that I could cut off the time. So I decided to embark on that journey, and it was dark, and I was walking alone. And by the time I got about halfway through the field, I realized I had come upon a group of guys that were together having a time. And it was a gang. And I didn't know if they saw me. And so I was walking. I was trying to be like, uh, you know, uh, what are they called? Ninja. And all of a sudden, I heard one of them go, hey, you see him? I thought, oh my, get him. So I heard about 10 guys, get up. Let me tell you, I probably would have won the gold medal. (laughs) I never ran so fast in my life. I wasn't Superman, but I definitely was faster than a speeding bullet. I mean, I was going, and I could hear a few of them almost gaining on me, so I really kicked it into gear, and my legs were doing something that they've never done before, never will do again, but I will... I even outran my house. I forgot where I was at. Whoa, I had to go in reverse. And then I got in and I was safe. Aren't you glad? Yeah. But the fear that surfaced that I was in the night hour all alone. And then what was accentuating that is my greatest fear came to pass. I was getting chased by a gang that I knew would not treat me nicely. The worst thing we could do is to be walking at this time alone. Scripture actually indicates that there's going to be a bit of a propensity within the body of Christ in the eschaton, in the study of eschatology, in the end days, that there would be a great falling away, a time when people would begin to disconnect. Now, all of us have experienced some level of disconnect. And I understand it. When we have to wear the mask, we had the social distancing. I get it. I'm not saying that any of that intrinsically is evil. But there has been a propensity within all of us to begin to disconnect. The enemy's way is always to do that. Holy Scripture says that sin brings death. Death, the Greek word thanatos, means to split, separate, divide, fragment. 
That's his plan. That's his strategy. He wants to separate us, divide us, get us away from meaningful relationships of support and accountability and challenging. I often wondered, how am I going to stay in this for the long haul? I, want, I, I don't want to just do the 100-yard dash in my relationship with God. I want to be fully and absolutely committed 24-7. And I remember a young man one time asked me that, the very same question that I had in my heart as a young believer growing. And he said, Pastor, how in the world do I stay committed? And I said, I'll tell you the same thing the Lord told me years ago. You want to stay committed? You've got to stay connected. You want to stay committed? you've got to stay connected. As a student of church history, I, I marveled at the fact that there were those who were incredible men and women of prayer and men and women of the word. But I took note of the fact that even though they were committed to prayer and committed to the word, they became isolated, alienated, and independent. They only had superficial, somewhat artificial relationship with others. Sometimes we do that in our society. We think we can be mentored or come under the tutelage and have a meaningful relationship with God by simply our diet means things online, on a computer or on television. That can be very artificial. There's something about the pulsating reality of someone that's looking at you, breathing with their eyes and inviting you to walk strong in the relationship with God. I don't minimize for one moment. There's many of us, there are many of those who are joining right now online or we'll see it later on. And I know that it can become a form of growth and maturation, development spiritually. But ultimately, you are not going to really mature and get strong in your relationship with God unless you have meaningful relationships with others. I actually had a bit of that disposition in my own heart as a young man. I said, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to be a strong man of prayer and a strong man of the word, and I'm going to be independent because I was rejected and resisted quite a bit when I started to share my faith with others. So I thought, I'm, you know, I'm an island alone, but one with God is a majority, and I'm going to do this on my own. But I'm so glad that those who mentored me, discipled me, exhorted me about the importance of being connected with others not to try to do it on my own alone, that it was so dangerous. And from church history, I learned and realized that those men and women of God that were independent, isolated, but they were strong in prayer and strong in the word, many of them stumbled because there was a third component that I took note of as I studied history, church history in particular, and that was the ones who stayed for the long haul, the marathon, stayed committed, they were connected relationally with others. They were not just men and women of prayer and the word. They were men and women who were accountable and connected relationally to others. I realized at that point in my walk with God, it was extremely important that I would do that, that I would heed what is told to us in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is in the manner of some, but encouraging one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Not forsaking what? The assembling of ourselves together. 
Now, I'm not going to insult your intelligence, but you tell me, if you were going to go and buy a car, would you want just the various parts of that car gathered together, or would you want them assembled? Would you want to just say, oh, there's the engine, there's the wheels, there's the carburetor, there's the transmission? Hmm, why didn't anyone put it, like, together? Right? Or a computer, if there was just all these computer parts laying on a table and said, there it is, you enjoy it. I have no idea how to work this computer. It's lost its purpose, and I can't unleash its potential because it needs to be put together. The word that's used here means exactly that. The writer here in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, doesn't use the word gather together, but says assembling to fit together all the parts being fused and joined together. Be it of a car, be it of a computer, be it within your own life. Could you imagine hypothetically? I know it might sound graphic, but if I threw my hand over there, my other hand over there, my arm and leg over there, my torso in the middle, and my head was over there, you know I would be going absolutely nowhere. Discombobulated, completely dissected and separated, disconnected. I'm not going anywhere. See, when something is not put together correctly, you dismiss its purpose being fulfilled and its potential being unleashed. So for us as the body of Christ, we need to be connected to fulfill our purpose individually and corporately. Hear me, individually and corporately. We have to be connected, fit together. And the propensity, as we're warned in here, is, but encourage one another, do this, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Contextually, it's just put right in the idea of eschatology, the end days. There's going to be this tendency to be disconnected. That's why in the New Testament, it'll speak about the word koinonia, that's a word that was selected to try to say, we've got to get this meaning of being together far deeper. It can't be just as if they had it online or over television. It can't be just listening to something on your computer. And I'm not opposed to any of that, but it's got to be more than that. It has to be so much more than that. And the New Testament writer said, listen, we've got to communicate, and they do it over 20 times in the scope of the New Testament, to communicate this level of connection and intimacy that's more than just saying we're fellowshipping and we're gathering. And so the word koinonia communicates this idea of such intense connection that what you do affects me and what I do directly affects you, that we're that closely connected be it the parts of the human body or a computer or a car. And in this case, our relationship as the body of Christ. Koinonia is achieved. Listen, in any marriage, there's like three different levels. There are couples that talk with one another. Sometimes that ends up in a divorce. Why? Because talking is simply an exchange of information. It's like you have a roommate instead of a spouse. You're just talking exchanging information and data. The next level is better. You're going deeper. It's we're communicating. Communication is expressing and sharing your heart. Very important. It's beautiful. But there's even a deeper level. That's what koinonia is all about. 
It says you're connecting. That means you're sharing your life, the totality of your being with another. Talking, exchanging information. Communicating, exchanging your hearts. But connecting, you are exchanging and imparting and sharing your life. That's all of you, every part of you. Where you're weak, where you're strong. Where you're successful, where you're a failure. Where you've had victory over this sin, but you are really struggling with this one. You've got to have someone there in your life that you can bear and share your heart. And I mean, pour it out. That will cause you then to not only be connected, but you'll remain committed. You'll be in it for the long haul. So you have to say, Lord, I want that sense of sharing of life. You know, the apostle Paul will say it this way in 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 8. It comes up on the screen. And this is what he says. And this is what he says. And those of you at home, there we are. All right. Stay connected with me up there. All right. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Would you say that with me? Our lives as well. Paul is saying, listen, I don't want you to just read these epistles. I don't want you just to hear me on the radio. I'm joking. Or on television. I want you to look at me face to face, eyeball to eyeball. I want this to be close. I'm not just here to share my words or the gospel. I'm here to share my life with you. I don't know if anyone here is familiar with Epaphroditus. He's a close colleague of the Apostle Paul. It's a good name if maybe you're pregnant, you got a little boy on the way, you might have called him Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, as it's recorded in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 25, Paul is speaking about him. He says, I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier. My brother, my fellow worker, and my fellow soldier. 22 years ago, when I established kind of a, a motto, a theme, a motif for us as a church, I said, we'll, we'll see ourselves as we're a family, we're a team, and we're an army. And it's based on this scripture because the apostle Paul says of Epaphroditus, you are my brother, my team member, and my colleague in warfare, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier. We're a family, a team, and an army. And I want to emphasize that because all of those involve what? Connection. Just the last week or two, I've done a couple funerals and to walk with the family through those very difficult waters of grieving, especially with the loss of a precious 36-year-old daughter, and to be with them. And I saw the beauty of the family. Maybe you've never had that. That, that pains me. I've had that with my family, a close family I come from. But a family connecting together, connecting together, how important it is. That, that's not something you do superficially or artificially. It's authentic. It's heart to heart. You don't just do it on the phone. They don't just, you know, send you a, a message. It, it's something together, especially when you're going through difficult waters. You are a family. And as a team, as a team, you, you have to come out. Now, I, I played for the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks and the Chicago Bears. 
Football, basketball, baseball, Cubs. Yeah, none of you guys know sports. I didn't play for any of those teams. But one thing I do know, I don't care how good a quarterback you are, like Brady, if he goes out on that field alone, he's not going to be known as a great quarterback. It's got to be a team. So when the Apostle Paul says, look, my fellow worker, we're part of the same team, a team has to come together. It's not a one-man show. It's not just one skill, one gift, one talent. Oh, no. Oh, no. It is all of us as a team connected and moving forward. And then as an army, the tremendous importance of serving and protecting and watching over one another. They've interviewed many, many soldiers, servicemen and women, the Marines and the, in the Navy, the soldiers, Air Force. They were asked, when you were in the intensity of a battle, what would come to mind? Would you say, I'm here I'm fighting and I may even give my life. Were you saying that you were doing that for the flag or the nation? And almost every one of them said, no, I was doing it for those I was battling with. They were my brothers, my sister. We were in this battle together. Yes, amen. We are in this together as a family, a team, and an army. And God wants us to move forward in that same spirit. You know, psychologists, sociologists, those who've studied human behavior, medical doctors, they'll indicate the tremendous importance and value of coming together, being connected with one another. They'll indicate that it impacts you with your mental health, your emotional health, physiologically, and even spiritually. Do you realize they've even done studies of those at secular universities by secular scientists that did specific study of those who faithfully attend worship services. They formed this conclusion, and they actually said it in kind of a uh, funny way. They said, it amazes us that having studied those who consistently, habitually gather together, assemble together, connect with one another in worship services, and they do it each week we have discovered they add to their life almost 10 years. And it's amazing because it's the very individuals that want to go to heaven, but they end up staying here on earth even longer because they gather together. <laughs> Studies that reveal the reality of the importance of us doing that. Ephesians and chapter Four, in verse 16 says this, the whole body joined and knit together by every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body. You know, that saying that we need one another in order to gain direction and protection. Let me just show you a picture here of a Roman formation and how they handled their shields. It was called a testido, not a mosquito, but a testido. It's, it's a Latin word for... Um, a tortoise, not a turtle, but a tortoise because a tortoise has a harder shell. And they would put their shields in this way. They would interconnect them. Sometimes we don't catch that imagery when in Ephesians chapter six, it says, hey, put on the full armor of God, take up the shield of faith. That shield was not to be handled just independently. It was to be connected, interconnected with another shield in order to create protection upon the soldiers in Rome. 
Think of the importance again to us. The mental picture, the metaphor, the analogy that is being used here to say for us, Lord, help us to run this race together, to connect with one another, with our shields. Because see, I need your faith to help me to move forward with mine. I need your faith to help me in the protection that I get when I get assaulted with doubt and unbelief. I need someone else to link with. And I've had so many individuals in my life that have been there. When I have gone through times when I've become cynical and skeptical and I'm getting beaten alive by doubt and unbelief and I'm questioning, I'm in a jungle of question marks. I'm so glad that I can say, hey, I need your shield. Help me. I can link it to yours and to yours and to yours. And you begin to feel that protection that comes because you're joined together. Joined together. Second Corinthians in chapter three and verse two says this. You are a letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You are a letter from Christ. You're a letter from Christ. But you know every letter contains what? Letters. How profound, Pastor. You are, you're really, <laughs> you're sharing some really profound things this morning. Every letter contains letters. Each individual letter has got to be what? Connected and assembled with another letter to begin to form a word. And then words have to be connected with other words to form a sentence or a phrase. And then eventually a message is communicated. Now think of that in relationship to all of us. We have a message we want to communicate to the world, right? But each one of us are a letter, and you are so important as that letter. When you don't show up, when you don't connect, you are missed. You're gravely missed. And I'm not saying this in a superficial way. This is not a hyperbole. I'm not giving some exaggeration. I mean it with all my heart. If we want to communicate to this world, God is love. And each one of us represented a letter what if I said, hey, listen, where's the G? I need the G. The G gets up, says, here, I'm here. Okay, come on up. I got the G. Where's the O? And the O is a little shy. It's like, oh, man, I, am I really valuable? Because it just seems like I go around and around and around and around. I'm not nice and, you know, strong and stiff like an I or an L. I say, no, no, come on. We need you. Get up here. D, where are you, D? D, oh, I'm kind of like, I don't know who I am. I'm kind of round and I'm straight, round and straight. Come on up here. God, G-O-D, where's my eye? Come on up. Oh, I know you feel like a stick. Yeah, you don't feel important at all. You are extremely important. God needs you to form this message to this, our generation. Yes, we need you. I get up here. S, me, yes. What? You want to be a Z? No, there's only one Z. You're an S. Come on up. God is love. L. L. You're not here. Are you with us online? L. Where's L? All right. Oh, get up here real quick. We got you. V. Thank you. E. Good. L. Oh, pastor. L didn't show up today. Why? Doesn't think he's valuable, needed. He just... It's not here anymore. So we got God is of. Where you at, Al? We need you. The world needs you. The Lord's message 
Isn't it interesting that Jesus, when he taught us the most important prayer, he doesn't do it with my father, give me my daily bread, forgive me of my sins and those who have offended me, keep me from temptation, keep me from the evil one. Now, how did Jesus teach us? He reminded us we do this corporately. It impacts us, of course, individually, but we do this corporately. You are our Father who's in heaven. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us. You see how it snaps the back of self-centeredness, selfishness, in an inordinate preoccupation, preoccupation with me? It snaps the back of it. The best way to love yourself is not to be narcissistic, but to be selfless. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who've trespassed and sinned against us. Lead us so that we don't fall into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. I get so motivated when I think of us, and it can become very intimate and close. One of my grand children's birthday party yesterday, I saw my grandkids running around and I said, oh God, I want to be strong for us. I want to be strong for us. We are motivated when we realize that the picture is bigger than us individually. See the L that's sitting at home, got in the car, drifted away, didn't think that he or she was important, was so needed for the message. And that's exactly what the devil wants to do is to diminish your understanding of your incredible value. No, you're valuable, pastor, because you get up and stand behind this pulpit. If you don't know my heart by now, that I believe with everything in me, the call on your life is just as significant, just as strong, just as important as mine. We are in this together to glorify Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to do everything in my power to be fully here and fully committed but I know I've got to be fully connected. And I'm just one part, one letter in that message, but I'm only one letter. And we've got to do this together. This generation definitely and desperately needs us. When we lift our voice to God, like I lifted it up this, this morning, I'll, I'll declare the names of God and I'll declare his name over all of us. When in the Old Testament he's called El, that means, that means mighty one. El, you are mighty over all of us. El Shaddai will be, he is the almighty God. Not only mighty, but El Shaddai, he's almighty God. Elohim is, is, is that incredible, uh, majestic plural. It's, it's God. You would translate as gods, but it means that one God. It's a picture of the Trinity, but he's the creator Elohim, you are the creator over all of us. Adonai, you are Lord. Yahweh, you are the God that is present over all of our lives and be present in every life that is here. You are Jehovah Jireh. You're our provider. You are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. You are Jehovah Nisi. You're the, you're the God that covers us. You're the banner over us. You're Jehovah Sidkenu. You're the righteousness that we have you are Jehovah Mekadesh. You're the one who sanctifies my soul. You are Jehovah 
Elroy, you see all things. You're Jehovah Shalom. You're the peace over our lives. You are Theos, God, but more than that, Patir, Theos, Father, God, but even more, the revelation in Romans 8, 15, you are Abba, Father, Daddy, God, unto all of us. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would show us now in a deep way how valuable and how important each one of us are in the role, the call, the part that we play and that we need to be not just gathering, but assembled and interconnected so that we would be the sons and daughters, the family and the team and the army that you've called us to be. Lord, we ask that you'd be glorified in our lives in the name of Jesus. We want to be the letter that shows up. We want to be the shield that's available to be connected to another shield. Yes, we do. We don't want to walk in this night hour alone, but with one another. We want to be part of this big family and this team and this army. And we don't want to just be men and women that pray and know the word. We want to be men and women that are connected to other men and women. Meaningful deep relationships that I could be a, a Paul to a Timothy you'd use my life to invest in another that God would call you to be to be like a, a Mary into a young woman's life use us Lord make us one and they'll know we're Christians by our love for you and for one another let's stand together and I know, you know, this is, a, this is an old song that was sung many years ago. Some of the older here will know it. Some of the new, you might be completely unfamiliar. But it's just that challenge to us to recognize, I'm not walking this walk alone. I need, I'd, you know, I'd never be at, I think I'm in my 47th year following Jesus. I'd have fallen a long time ago if I didn't have others that were there when I felt really weak they became strength to me when I was doubting everything they were a, a voice of faith to me I didn't believe in myself at all and they believed in me struggled with a sin or two and more than that they were there to let me know God will forgive you get back up you back up. You need a voice. I'm just one voice to you, but you need voices around you. This world desperately needs us. The Spirit of God is about to move so strongly. You don't want to be far off and disconnected. You want to be right there where God has you with your brothers and sisters, loving Him, loving one another, and moving forward because He is about to do an incredible work on this earth. Because of that, the enemy and the intensity of his assault is going to be way beyond you could imagine. It will be. You're going to feel it at times. But when you know you're not alone, there's others with you, you'll be strong. You'll keep moving forward. Because the enemy is going to come with great intensity. Because God is about to move like you have never seen him move before. I know that. I know that. So, Lord, unite our hearts.
May we be ready and run this race together in Jesus' name.